Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially, you can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, Grace Bible. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. That was just a simple way for us to say how much we appreciate y'all and all the cards and the notes and all just, just the gratitude that you guys have expressed throughout the month of October and what is traditionally referred to as Pastor Appreciation Month. But I want you to know your pastors appreciate you too. It's a special place and we're grateful for all of you guys. If you have your Bible, flip on over to First uh, Peter chapter 2. Stick your finger there, all right, and then flip on over to John chapter 17. Uh, I'm going to hit a variety of different scriptures this morning. We'll kind of camp out on those two because that'll drive home kind of the central point of the discussion. That's 1 Peter chapter 2 and John chapter 17. Um, but good morning to y'all. It's great to see you guys. We've been in a series called Come to Me as we've been looking at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, his sweet, sweet invitation to come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden, so that we can find rest that he wants to take our yoke upon him and give his yoke to us. He wants to help carry the load. He wants to be in the driver's seat of our lives. And in that, we can find peace and rest. And so throughout this last couple of months, we have taken a closer look at what it means to come to Jesus and how we get there. It can sound a bit mysterious sometimes. We say, well, come to Jesus. Well, how exactly do you do that? It reminds me of when I was a teenager going through a hard time, and my mom kept telling me, Dustin, you just need to, you just need to give it over to God. And I'm like, all right, well, how do you do that? If I could put it in a box and give it to him, I would. I feel like I keep giving it to him. But for some reason, I feel like I'm still carrying this. How exactly do I approach God? How exactly do I bring it to him? And so learning to come to Jesus and learning to get into um, just just the right healthy rhythms of our life and walking with him and clinging to the vine, as John says, is really we find the answers to that in some of some of the oldest traditions um, in the church of Jesus Christ. And some of you grew up calling those things uh, spiritual disciplines. Um, we've been referring to them as spiritual rhythms and practices because we want us to be thinking in terms of regular rhythmic practice of these things in our lives. So we, we've talked about the study of God's word, how to come to Jesus through the study of God's word and worship and giving and serving and stewardship and confession and, and just these different vehicles that the Lord has given to us to, to ride into his arms. We oftentimes miss the beauty that is offered to us through those spiritual rhythms and practices because we fall into looking at those things as destinations instead of roadways. Uh, Too many Christians feel like they have a right relationship with the Lord because they check the box of reading their Bible and showing up to church and attending Sunday school and giving to the missionary and the list goes on. But we've been wrestling through the tension throughout this discussion that those things, yes, they, they are important to our relationship with Jesus, but those things aren't our relationship with Jesus. I'll say that again. Those things are important and critical to our relationship with Jesus, but they aren't our relationship to Jesus. Case in point, when Jesus told us, there would come a day that many would say to me, Lord, Lord, but we prophesied in your name. We did all the things. And Jesus' response was, depart from me. We never knew each other. It's possible to check all the Christian boxes 
do all the religious things, but yet never actually ride them into the arms of Jesus, never actually lay down our lives before the King of glory in the way that he has called us to. So I'm hoping that throughout this series, and we've been praying throughout this discussion, that, it, that these discussions have uh, not only opened your eyes and your heart to how Jesus wants to meet with you in those places, but it's also helped you get into the rhythm of meeting with Jesus in those places. So today, the one that we're going to talk about, this is actually the last one in the series. We're rounding up this discussion today. Um, and from here, uh, we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different. Uh, for a couple weeks during Thanksgiving, and then during uh, the Advent season, we're going to observe Advent again this year, and we're going to take a totally different look at the Scriptures through Advent as we prepare our heart for the coming of Jesus uh, in December and prepare our heart for Christmas. This year, we're going to actually look at the ladies of Advent, the women that God used throughout history to prepare the way for the arrival of the King. And then after that, we'll be getting into preparing for prayer and fasting for 21 days with the community of, the, of believers here in the heartland. And I'm hoping during that time, we're going to get back to doing some expositional teaching uh, where we study through whole books of the Bible. I'm hoping to convince the abide guys. So y'all put in a good word for me. I'm hoping to convince the abide guys that let's study the book of Haggai during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then from there as a church, we'll just kind of launch into some other expositional teaching, perhaps even in the Minor Prophets after that. But we're, we're working on that right now. Just wanted you to know what's coming. Uh, but today's discussion as we round out the conversation of coming to Jesus is, this is one of the, the best rhythms, in my opinion. One of my favorites. But this is also one of the most complex and the rhythm we're talking about today of coming to Jesus is the rhythm of fellowship. Say fellowship. Let's be honest. Like, being around other people that love Jesus can be an awesome thing, can't it? Where's your enthusiasm? Yeah, being around other Christ followers that are also pursuing a relationship with the Lord and pursuing relationships with one another, that can be an awesome thing, can't it? Yeah, but it can also be horrible, can't it? That's why I say, like, this is one of the best ones and one of the most complex all at the same time. And the Word of God is calling us, if we're coming to Jesus, we were meant to come together, together. This was never meant to be some freelance journey that we call Christianity, that it was just you and God and the Bible and the sermons that you hear. You weren't meant to travel this road alone. You were meant to do it as a body. That's why we kind of coined this phrase around here of living in community and on mission. It was God's design. This was his master strategy. He meant for us to gather together regularly in different types of ways, not just Sunday morning church, but in, in our home and in our workplaces that we would just be a people who were known for community. This is why even through the Old Testament, the, the, the main ways that God called his people to worship him and to be a declaration to the world around them that he was God was through feasts and festivals. Tell me that's not a God that doesn't like to get together and be together and party. You know what I'm saying? This has been his design all along. So much so, in fact, that the scriptures that we read, listen closely to what I'm saying, it actually assumes fellowship of us. It just assumes we're already getting together. That's why it has so little to say about calling us together. It just, there's a few places that remind us to get together, but most of the Bible just assumes we're already hanging out, that the people of God would want to be together as they're growing in their relationship with God. 
As a matter of fact, this is why you see even uh, this critical element of community and fellowship is so much a central part of our relationship with God that even in the Ten Commandments, you got five of them that are about your relationship with God, and the other five is about your relationship with other people. Uh, Dr. Randy Smith teaches this series, we've done it here before, called The Eight Things Biblical Writers Thought You Knew. And one of those eight things that we've talked about here over the years, we probably should recycle that and go through it again. One of those eight things is as you're reading the Word of God, you've got to recognize they're coming from a world of tribal over-individual thinking. In other words, they were team-minded, tribal-minded, over-individualistic-minded. Now, that's foreign to us. Uh, Back in their day, as we were reading the scriptures, we're reading scriptures from a world that understood that the good of the whole outweighed the good of me. I know that's new news to us, you know, and they're like, what? Yeah, and the scripture speaks to a people that understood that the good of the whole was more important than my good. As a matter of fact, my good was defined by the good of the whole. In other words, I was doing good and I could celebrate because everybody else was. We don't live in that world anymore, do we? We live in an individualistic society. You do you. You go get yours. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Oftentimes, the many is defined by the one instead of the one being defined by the many. There's, it's a typical cultural narrative in our day and age, like your great uncle's cousin was the governor of some state, and so that's kind of like a family thing you hold on to. You got pictures of it, you never even met the guy. But the good of the body was kind of defined by one. That's not how it was in the scriptures. Fellowship is assumed, it just assumes that we are about one another's best interests. It just assumes that we are living life together with one another in the scriptures. Almost every page of the Bible, by the way, almost every page of the Bible, with few exceptions, was written, listen closely, you don't want to miss this, almost every single page of the Bible, with few exceptions, was written to groups of people that was meant to be heard in groups and meant to be carried out as a group. You hear what I'm saying? Almost every page of the Bible. Even think about Jesus' ministry. Like, just about every time we hear him teaching, he's talking to at least three, if not 12, if not 5,000. And everything he was saying was meant to be heard as a group, carried out as a group. But in our individualistic society, most of us are sitting in church this morning wondering what God has to say to us. And if you hear something particularly convicting, you're going to be trying to figure out how to walk it out by yourself. That's not biblical mindset. That's not the mindset that Scripture has called us to. It's called us to fellowship. It's called us to hearing it together and doing it together. Living in community and on mission together is the terminology that we use. Did you know that there are 100 100 calls to believers in Jesus in the New Testament. 100 times the New Testament speaks to one another's. Love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another. 100 times and 96 verses within the New Testament, we are called to the one another's. There's just an expectation that we're going to be together, living life together, and the power of fellowship is central to our relationship with Jesus and coming to Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus summarized it for us pretty well 
when he was pressed into a corner and asked, well, of all the commandments, which one's the greatest? You remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This hand-in-hand, relationship with God and relationship with others, this is a hand-in-hand, eternally tethered together call from the Word of God in our lives. This was how he designed it to be. Jesus prayed for it. Jesus modeled it. He ate his way through the entire Gospels. He went from table to table, house to house, living in community with people, being in relationship, being in fellowship with people. But let's be honest, being in fellowship is complicated too. The more people you stick in one room, the more likely you're going to have problems, present company included. That's just how it works. That's how it works. But are you catching the thread? Are you catching the thread that our relationship with God has a whole lot to do with our relationship with others? This is why, as a church, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and one another. That is the mission of us as Grace Bible Church. You know, John Piper said it really well, really beautifully. He says, fellowship is a mutual bond that Christians have with Christ that puts us in deep, eternal relationship with one another. Let that resonate in your dome for just a second. I'll read it again. Fellowship is the mutual bond that Christians have with Christ that puts us in a deep, eternal relationship with one another. John Piper. I like this one even better. See if you can track along with me. A.W. Tozier put it like this. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? A fork is like you, bing. That's how you tune a piano. That's how you can get perfect pitch. Did it ever occur to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. Oh, my goodness. Woo! So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ Jesus, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I need to read that again, but we ain't got time, so I hope y'all follow it along. You get the picture? You get the picture? Man, we were meant for one another. I'm hoping that what I'm talking to you about this weekend is not new news to you. I'm kind of taking the posture that a Peter did, stirring you up by way of reminder. Sometimes in the Christian faith, like it, the last thing we need is to learn something new because the first thing we need is to be reminded of what we've already been told, what we already know, what we've already been called to. And I'm hoping to stir you up by way of reminder this morning as we look at just the power of fellowship and God's call to fellowship in our lives. And those are some powerful quotes that we just read, but it's that concept that God has designed since the beginning of his building and formation of a people of his own. This is why the Bible makes really direct statements uh, like 1 John 1, 7. Uh, See if this doesn't sound like the piano analogy to you. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Just a mutual bond. 
If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship with one another. In other words, like our relationship with Jesus, you saw the diagram last week on the board with Jesus at the top of the triangle. Like, it, in other words, what, what, what John is telling us in 1 John is you can't possibly be walking towards Jesus and not be walking towards one another because he is at the pinnacle. He's the centerpiece. He is the way, the truth, the life. There aren't many ways into relationship with God. There aren't many destinations. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we are all aiming to that centerpiece, that tuning fork, then we are all going to land in the same place, and that's together. Man, heaven's going to be a lot about community. Community around Jesus and community together with the saints that have gone before, celebrating the goodness of God and his faithfulness to all the generations, enjoying the new heaven and new earth together. I guess, in other words, what I'm saying is if you don't like other people, then you ain't going to like heaven very much. There's going to be a lot of them there. Not enough, but a lot nonetheless. That's why Jesus prayed these specific words in John 17. I'm just jumping into the middle of the prayer. I hope you'll go home this afternoon and read the entire prayer. Understand this is one of the few places in Scripture we actually get to see the heart of Jesus in humble and contrite prayer before the Lord. We see a really short prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's sweating blood. We really don't get to see him pray in the Sermon on the Mount when he was giving those people an example, like the Our Father who art in heaven. That wasn't actually Jesus praying. That was Jesus giving an example of how to pray. This is a moment where Jesus is praying. He is pouring out his heart before God the Father. And listen to, listen to just a portion of this prayer that he declares to God the Father in the presence of those that are listening. Uh, verse 20 says, I, I'm not going to ask just for these only. In other words, the current disciples at the time, Jesus says, but I'm also going to ask for those who will believe. Say will believe. I'm also going to ask for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, disciples making disciples and believers coming to Jesus throughout the generation. Jesus says, I'm praying for them already. Here's my prayer for them, God, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may also be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, they have become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and you love them even as you have loved me. Could Jesus get any more direct about that? Do you sense the heart of the king of glory as he calls out to God the Father asking him, that every believer ever for all time would gravitate towards him as he clings to God the Father and as we gravitate towards Jesus that we would be made perfectly one with one another. Man, that's some sobering words because Jesus wasn't praying that Christians would do a good job of tolerating each other. He doesn't say, I hope that as they come to me they would learn to put up with one another. He's saying... Father, I know that if they are in me and I am in you and I am in them, that they're going to be perfectly one just as we are perfectly one. And Jesus prayed for that a long time ago. And I can assure you, Romans chapter 8, this is one of the things he continues to intercede at the right hand of his Father for us for. That we would be unified, that we would be so saturated in our love and commitment to him, living lives of humility, laying down our lives before the king of glory regularly, rhythmically, that we would be drawing together in the process. You know, 
Peter actually gives us a really sweet picture of what this was meant to look like and what God is at work doing in us. Flip on over. I told you to go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter uses some really cool imagery that has become quite timeless as we, we, we sing about it sometimes. And I just want to point you to this because, remember, we, we are talking about the rhythm of fellowship and how that is one of the vehicles that Jesus uses in our life to bring us to him. And Peter couldn't say it more directly than simply saying, chapter 2, verse 4, as you come to him, who's him? Jesus. The whole series, we're talking about come to Jesus, all you who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. And some of us want to do all the rhythms and habits and practices that we can do isolated in and of ourselves, but Peter reminds us that as you are coming to Jesus, this one's critical, as you are coming to him, Jesus, who was the living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, as you come to him, you yourselves are also like the living stones, and you are being built up. Say being built up. It's a work that's having having to happen in us while we go, isn't it? Man, this whole getting along thing, we don't do too good at it. Hmm. This whole forgiveness thing, I don't like it. It's not easy. We are being built up. It is a constant work of the Holy Spirit in us, bringing unity amongst us in Christ Jesus, drawing us to Christ Jesus as Lord, drawing us together to one another. He says, you like living stones, just like Jesus is a living stone, are being built up as a spiritual house, a place for God to dwell not just for God to dwell within us as individuals like he promised, but he would get to dwell within us as groups and as the body of believers, being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Remember, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to a group of people that were meant to carry this out as a group of people. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. A cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, as a matter of fact, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Let's just stop right there. You familiar with, it's kind of old construction lingo to talk about a cornerstone. Sometimes you'll see them at like old banks uh, in, in older communities or in big cities. They'll just be like that big block cornerstone that's kind of right on the corner of the building. Understand like when a cornerstone is set in place, it has two jobs. Um, the cornerstone, it, it, sets, uh, it sets the alignment of the, the entire building. So they'll actually spend more time making sure that that cornerstone is exact because if you start out just a little bit off, then the whole building is going to be off as you align the other stones to the cornerstone. So that cornerstone has to be perfect and above reproach in every way because it sets the trajectory and the measurements of the rest of the building. But not only that, it is the first stone that is laid and the weight of the building leans up against this cornerstone. So it also has to be the most powerful has to be the strongest, has to be the most timeless. And Peter reminds us that Jesus is that cornerstone. That everything is aligned to him and the weight of everything rests upon him. And then Peter goes on to say, oh yeah, you too are like living stones as well. That we are being built up in him into a spiritual house. This is like 
imagery that Peter chose to use to help describe this to us. In other words, what Peter is teaching us that coming to Jesus also means that we are meant to come together. You yourselves are like living stones. It's a picture of community. Uh, One stone can't make a house, by the way. One stone can't even make a wall. It takes a bunch of stones strategically placed and grafted together, leaning up against and following the trajectory of the cornerstone to build what God is working towards building. In other words, let me put it to you like this. It's passages of scripture like this and many others in the the word of God that completely rules out the option of freelance Christianity. If you're listening to the podcast, I just look real stupid at the camera. This is my, are you convicted look? It's passages like this and many others. We've read some. I'll read a few more before we're done today that completely rules out the option of freelance Christianity. You know what I mean by freelance Christianity? Oh, I love Jesus. I got a relationship with Jesus, but that's just between me and him. I can't stand Christians, though. Like, I like what they probably can't stand you either, just in case you weren't. You got people like, maybe you're one of those folks. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're sitting in here. Oh, I love Jesus. No, I love Jesus. Me, me and him are good. You know what I'm saying? We got our relationship. But it's like, but I'm not interested. Like, I'm not going to be a part of other Jesus people because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Let me ask you, when's the last time you walked into a hospital looking for healthy people? Why is it that we walk into churches looking for perfect people? What's wrong with you? We we are living stones that are being built up. Oh, we messed up. Hmm. We sure enough messed up. The good news, we're messed up together, and we are growing up into Christ Jesus together too. Just like any family, you know what I'm saying, we got problems. And we cause most of them. But what family doesn't have that issue? And the family of God is no different. The difference is, is we have the power of the Holy Spirit of God that is dwelling within us, that is, that is building us up, that is creating community from us, that is bringing healing and forgiveness to our lives. I mean, Jesus is accomplishing the work of togetherness in his body, a togetherness that will one day be celebrated once and for all in the new heaven and the new earth when we are together. And without sin, we're going to get along just fine. And that's going to be a great day. This work of Jesus accomplishing a togetherness amongst his body is one that will finally come to fulfillment one day. One day it will. Continue to lean into that. Continue to lean into him. Continue to lean in to one another, because as Jesus prayed that, prayed that prayer in John 17, if he prayed it loud, think about this, if he prayed it loud enough for John to hear it so that he could write it down with such detail, guess who else was probably coiled around a nearby tree listening to it? If the apostles were hearing Jesus pray, I bet you that the adversary himself that we call the devil was listening too, and when he heard Jesus pray, for the call to unity throughout the generations, then he decided, oh, 
is that what Jesus values the most? Then I'm going to put that at the top of my hit list. I'm going to make them hate each other. And I'm going to make them hate each other over stupid things. Like the color of their skin, the denomination of gospel-centered church that they attend, whether or not they got a shot or not, they're going to hate each other for all of it. It's going to be easy. Grace Bible, you are living stone just as Christ Jesus is because he has implanted himself in you and we are being built up together into him. This is why this idea of no freelance Christianity in the kingdom of God, C.E.B. Cranfield wrote it like this. I love this. He says, the freelance Christian, you know what I'm talking about, who would be a Christian but is too superior to belong to the visible church upon earth in one of its forms, is simply a contradiction in terms. Okay, let me sum that up for you. Uh, Don't pretend like you love Jesus if you don't love the things that Jesus loves. Don't pretend like we love Jesus if we ain't about what Jesus is about. You saw the prayer. Maybe you need to start praying the same prayer that the Lord would allow forgiveness and healing in your life so you can continue to walk towards faithfulness and fellowship with the people of God, as imperfect and as complicated as it is. Hey, I get it. My favorite part about being a pastor in this community is the people. And my least favorite part is the people. I get it. I feel you. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16 tells us rather speaking the truth and love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ Jesus the head of the church for whom the whole body that's us the living stones the is what Peter chose Paul often spoke about us as the body of Christ the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it was equipped when each part is working properly It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In other words, this body needs every single one of you. The body of Christ needs every single one of you, bringing your gifts to the table so that they can be shared with others and so that the gifts of the rest of the body can be shared with you. This is how it was meant to be. We were meant to hear the word of God together, believe the word of God together, and carry out the word of God together. Hebrews 10 is one of those rare places where we get a warning about not fellowshipping together because honestly, the Bible assumes that we already are. This is timely for us. And let us, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Y'all are already together. Encourage one another towards love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Show is, ain't it? but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't forsake gathering together because we need one another to build each other up as we prepare for the day, the day that the Lord calls us home, the day where he rights all the wrongs, where he makes the crooked path straight, where he brings the high places low and the low places high, when he wipes away every tear. He's preparing us for that day and we all need to be together. I'm so glad that y'all are sitting in here this morning. There's a pile of you in here, but like, let me just talk to my folk 
sitting on the back porch sipping coffee, eating biscuits. I recognize there's definitely some of y'all that have legitimate reason that you need to hang out and stay away from any types of crowds of people. I get that. And you need to make the wisest decision for you and your family. This comment is not aimed at you. What it is aimed at is the several hundred of y'all that I know are busting out some sausage biscuits right now, watching this sermon with a fresh pot of coffee, sitting on your couch or your back porch, And you, as the writer of Hebrews have said, have neglected meeting together and you've gotten in the habit of it because, boy, it sure is comfortable to be eating cinnamon rolls during church in your pajamas. It's about time you reconnect and re-engraft yourself into the body of Christ because you need us and we need you. We were meant to be together in one of its forms. Gathering, it doesn't have to be this church. Find a church that you can go to. Get together with other believers in Jesus that are pursuing him together. They're drawing near to one another together. This is critical to our relationship with Jesus. So much so that the author of Hebrews has to remind us, hey, some of y'all have gotten out of the habit of getting together. You need to get back in the habit. This is a critical piece of coming to Jesus. We need one another. You know, there was a, I love this story of the Spartan king, uh, the king of Sparta has a, had a visiting monarch, you know, a king from another country who stopped by to visit him in Sparta. And when that visiting monarch came into Sparta, the king of Sparta began to just boast about the walls of Sparta. I mean, we've heard the legend of how tough Sparta was. So he would boast about the fortified walls of Sparta and how impenetrable they were to this visiting king, just in case this visiting king had some wild idea, like he was scouting out the territory to come and overthrow Sparta. But the visiting king, looking around Sparta, started noticing Sparta doesn't have any walls. And so he looks at the king of Sparta and he's like, Where are these walls that you boast of? And the king of Sparta pointed to his army, and he says, they are the walls of Sparta, and every man is a brick. I would say the same of the kingdom of God. We are being built up into the dwelling place of God himself. He has chosen to dwell within us, and every one of us a brick. If you haven't noticed, bricks are useless when they're alone. They're only any good if they are engrafted together. That's the purpose of them. That's where they find their value. That's where they accomplish extraordinary things is together, together. It's like anything else in our lives. Anything we want to do takes community. For those of you veterans, defending our country required doing it together. If you're going to stand for a cause, you're going to have to do it together. If you're going to run for president, you're going to have to do it with a team. If you're going to build a thriving business, you're going to have to do it as a community. You can't just do it as one brick. You have to do it as a whole community. How much more so are we meant for each other in the kingdom of God? Every week we encourage you to practice the practice. And just to give you some practical tips on how to put fellowship into play 
into your life. You'll have an opportunity to grab a little, uh, a little half sheet on your way out if you want a physical copy. If not, I believe there's a, there are QR codes all around our lobby for those of you that know how to use those, and you can just pull it up on your phone. And there's just a few things that we recommend that you try if you aren't already in regular commit Christian community in your life. But let me pray for us as we continue to walk through and walk to this practice in our relationship with Jesus. Father, I just want to acknowledge out loud into the open air that I recognize that the enemy, the devil himself, is committed to bringing division any way he can. Any lie he can tell, any tension he can create. Father, we've seen a kind of a culmination of a bunch of those over this past year or so. And we've taken the bait. But God, I confess that to you, Lord. I, I, I pray that the body of Christ right now would lay down their rights, pick up their responsibilities. That their love for you and their drawing to you would draw us into love and relationship with one another. God, that we would be quick to forgive. Lord, that we would long to develop one another through the sharing of gifts, through the speaking of truth, through the encouragement of the body. And Father, we know that you are the only one who can create unity. It's your spirit that creates unity. Our job is to protect it. And so, Lord, I pray that we would make every effort to protect the spirit of unity and the bond of peace that you have given to us. And, Lord, that you would allow and make flourish the unification of your body right here in this church, on every street and every neighborhood, with every coworker and cubicle. And Lord, that you would draw us up into you, that you, as you prayed, would declare to the world that you are king through the unification of the saints and fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. What a wonderful series we've been in. And so if you miss anything, or just a reminder, uh, this is not a plug for our digital platforms, but just a reminder, uh, you can go back and check it out on YouTube or go to the GBC 